It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. I'm delighted to say that I am joined by a very, very special guest on this edition. Casey, welcome to the show. I should have asked you before we went live, how do I pronounce your surname so I don't make a mess of it? <laughs> I get this all the time, don't worry. It's actually pronounced Bourne. It's really easy. I Just thought so. <laughs> I thought <laughs> so. I- no I did think so. <laughs> I get like Balgan, Bohan, honestly, let's go with it now. Yeah, I, I thought it was born, but I thought, let me just double check. The last thing I wanted to do was butcher your surname. You know why? Because it happens to me on everything I go on. So, um, yeah, there we Thank go. Thank you for having me, though. No problem. It's our pleasure. Casey, do you want to let our listeners know a little bit about what you do? Um, obviously, Arsenal fan, but what do you do for work? Why is it... Um, what do you do in the football world? Because um, I'm sure a lot of people will be interested to know. Yeah, cool. So I currently work for BT Sport, um, sort of like as a production secretary. So just like the best way I can describe it is like a PA for all the productions, whether it's football, like national, all the way through like National League, Champions League, literally anything and everything. And then I'm on it. <laughs> like case can you do it say yeah there you go brilliant stuff and of course you're an arsenal supporter which is more important than anything um but let's uh let's dive into some of the transfer talk that's been doing the rounds over the last sort of 24 hours or so it always feels during the transfer window that there is lots and lots going on behind the scenes at arsenal even if we haven't seen any real concrete progression up until this point but the big story I think and the one that we should probably start on is with regards to William Saliba now of course he was brought to the club a couple of seasons ago or signed by the club a couple of seasons ago was loaned straight back to St Etienne spent uh, returned to the Emirates Stadium didn't get a look in went out on loan to Nice in the second half of last season had a pretty good time uh, back in the French top flight and now we're hearing reports that he's considering his options uh, because the arrival of Ben White uh, is something that Arsenal are working hard to try and make happen. Now, what's your view on the whole Saliba situation and how it's been handled? Because Mikel Arteta has received a lot of criticism for the way he's he's dealt with Saliba. What's your kind of view on the overall situation? Do you know, I'm, I'm kind of torn because one part of me just feels so sorry for Saliba and, like, I can even imagine, you know, a a kid with his talent like coming to a club like Arsenal and getting treated he's being treated but on the other hand we haven't really seen him play for us we don't know what's going on behind the scenes like you you don't know what Arteta seeing well I'd say day in day out but he hasn't really seen him either so obviously he just doesn't like him but I just feel gutted for him like all we hear is you know how good he is and when he went went out to Nice, he got player of the month straight in his first season. Like, obviously there's a talent in him. So I just, I can't understand what what it is that 
Arteta's not saying that we're saying? Yeah, I think for me, it's it's a strange one because I think you're absolutely right in the sense of you look at him, you look at what Arsenal invested in him and you look at kind of the reports that have been written about him off the back of him returning to France and, and from his previous time there. And you think, well, we'll have a bit of that. This is the kind of player that Arsenal need. Somebody who represents the longer term future at centre-back who we're led to believe is quite comfortable in possession. He feels like he would be the perfect fit. But then on the other hand, Something's obviously gone on behind the scenes that's put Mikel Arteta off of him, that's made Mikel Arteta feel as though uh, he's not quite ready and, and he got sent out on loan off the back of that. I think where Arsenal were massively at fault was having identified last summer that he wasn't ready to be part of the first team. They should have made that loan move happen during the summer window and instead he sat around for half of a season and that must have made him feel you know, really unwanted, really unloved and probably as though he doesn't have a future at Arsenal Football Club. So I think Arsenal have handled it really, really badly in that sense. But as you say, the flip side of this is, have we watched William Saliba in training? No. Do we know what his attitude is like? No. Do we know what his character is like? No. Um, and there's probably a lot that we don't know about this. And there are people already in the chat um saying that, you know, there's no defending uh, Mikel Arteta on this. Jack says, sorry, Harry, but there's no defending Arteta on this one. The way he's treated Saliba on a human level, considering what he's been trying as well, is disgusting. Speaks volumes about Arteta as a man, in my opinion. I I actually disagree with this because you don't know how he's treated William Saliba behind the scenes. You don't know if he gave him the support that he needed after he suffered uh, a family bereavement. You don't know anything about it it's all speculation would you agree with that that we've got to be careful of kind of going down that rabbit hole that's the thing because obviously you know the news that came out regarding his family issues was just awful and and you know Arteta's well I say Arteta the whole of Arsenal like in that circumstance you know if he wanted to go home then they did the right thing in letting him do that but at the same time it is disgusting to hear that yet again he's at the centre of more drama of how he's being treated like as a for a player of his age like you the last thing you'd want is you know to go to a dream club like Arsenal and and made to be feel like you're not wanted like it it just doesn't make sense in in regards to like the whole Ben White situation he could be a really good signing for us but at the same time why are we signing someone like that when we already have it in Saliba I just, I, I, I don't know. I'm so torn because I want to not give Saliba the benefit of the doubt, but like we haven't seen him play. I think Arsenal fans are getting too caught up in this and it almost as if like we need to just let this drama go and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, it's it's a tough one because from my perspective, the way I'm looking at it, you've got to remember that the important thing about William Saliba is he wasn't signed during Mikel Arteta's time right? He was brought in previously. The deal was done before Mikel Arteta was on the scene. So what I have to say is, can you force Mikel Arteta into wanting players that he had no input over bringing them to the club just because the club spent a substantial amount of money on that player? If you're going to let Mikel Arteta take this team forward or try and take this team forward, if you're going to trust him, if you're going to trust him to deliver what it is that Arsenal need to be delivering over the next few seasons then you can't on the one hand say 
you know, it's all yours. Do what you want. You know, we're we're fully backing you. And but on the other hand, say, well, actually, we paid twenty seven odd million pounds for this player. Therefore, even if you don't think he's the right man, you have to pick him. You know that ruthlessness that Arteta is showing in this situation, and I can't, I can't say for sure if it's if he's right in doing so when it comes to Saliba. Because as I keep on saying, I don't watch French football every week. I haven't seen enough um, to know whether he'd be a good signing for Arsenal. That's that's my honest view. So and I feel and like go literally going off that, Harry. Sorry, it's I feel like a lot of the Arsenal fans and a lot of football fans in general go off hype and they're hearing and what they're hearing from journalists and that but you've got to remember journalists are trying to get headlines as well so it's like unless you watch front football week in week out and you know you can back it like and we've seen throughout the season Arteta can be selfish in his ways and you know he's got a plan and he wants to stick to it maybe you know maybe like you say Saliba's just not part of it absolutely this is a really interesting comment um from Eamon, who says, exactly, Harry, Arteta has to hit the ground running or he's out of a job fast. Would you trust a 20-year-old inexperienced defender to run our defence? You've got to remember who who William Saliba will be replacing. He'll be replacing David Luiz, who whatever people thought of him, and yes, David Luiz had a mistake in him every once in a while, but he was a leader. He was a real, real leader. And, you know, I look at the centre-back situation and, and, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Ben White. I'm not sort of against the signing of Ben White. I actually quite like him as a player. Do I think that Arsenal could spend that money a little bit more wisely, though, in another area of the pitch in which there is a greater need to improve? Probably. Um, but, you know, Mikel Arteta is going to do what he thinks is the, is the right thing to do. And when you talk about Saliba, it is all based on what you've read. You know, I highly doubt that there are, there are people in this chat that sat there and watched... 90 minutes of William Saliba at Nice and at St Etienne prior to that week in, week out. And that's the big thing here. If Mikel Arteta doesn't think he fits, he doesn't fit. And we've, you know, I don't understand the clamour about somebody that's never played for us. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that's that's literally, like I say, I'm torn because part of me does think that. And and then the other part of me, you know, you get excited when you spend big money on someone, you want to see them play and you want... You want them to succeed at the club you love, but like sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. And like you say with David Luiz, like I know everyone had their opinion on him, but you need leaders in that team, and I feel like they are lacking that leader. Clearly, Saliba isn't just isn't that at the minute. Like that's not for me to say he could be in the future, but as of right now, clearly Arteta sees something else and someone different. I, I agree with that. And I think what where William Saliba, you know, and, and you know, I've, I've maintained the point I made earlier on, I think the majority of the blame with regards to how he's been treated obviously sits with the football club and sits with Mikel Arteta. I, I don't agree with the way they've treated him. I want to make that clear. I think when you brought him back to Arsenal, if you felt that it wasn't the right time to chuck him in at the deep end, then fine, you send him out on loan and that's no issue whatsoever. Um, but to not send him out on loan for the first half of the season for me was criminal. And, and you know, I'll always back William Saliba on that particular point. But where he has not helped himself is since he moved back to France, he has repeatedly sort of spoken out about how he was disappointed by the way he was treated at Arsenal. Now, if you really want a future at this football club, if you really feel 
that you can go on and become an Arsenal legend. Shut up, get your head down and get on with it and prove people wrong, prove Mikel Arteta wrong. And yes, his performances were okay upon his return to France. But for me, you come out, you say it once, fine. You say it twice, it's a little bit dodgy. You say it a third time, you just need to shut up now, you know. And I, and I don't think Mikel Arteta likes that. We saw with Matteo Guendouzi, somebody speaks out of line, somebody doesn't display the values, as he calls them, that he wants, they're out the door. And and I feel like with William Saliba, the problem between him and Mikel Arteta is more that kind of thing, as opposed to it being about the player's ability. Agree. And like like you literally mentioned there with Gwendouzi, the thing is, too many players I feel nowadays are outspoken in the sense of, you know, they'll jump on social media and they'll make a comment and a dig here and there. It's like, there's no need. And with Arteta being, you know, an ex-Arsenal player in a great time of the club's period, it's, he clearly knows what the team should be doing to succeed because he did have success at the club in some in some way. I just don't like the digs constantly. But then again, if I was in his shoes and I was treated the way he was treated, then I'd probably do the same. So I don't know. I, it's just... It's, it's a, hu- just it's a hard one, though. It's a hard yeah. one, though, because, Case, you work at BT Sport, right? If your boss at BT Sport did something that you didn't agree with, you didn't like, I can guarantee you wouldn't jump on social media and and have a go. So yeah. you, do you see what I mean? It's For me, you know, you're an employee of that football club. It doesn't matter whether you earn a £1,000 a month um, or you earn £50,000 a month. That's, you know, you still, for me, need to keep that stuff in-house. And I, I don't like it mm-hmm. when players do that. When you leave, yeah. when you retire, by all means, write a book, do whatever you want. But I just, I'm not, you know, I don't think it's about football. That's my personal opinion. I think this is this is about attitude. I think this is about mm-hmm. character. And I think that Mikel Arteta has, has been turned off um, on William Saliba based on that. And, you know, we could well see him go. Some of the rumours are saying that he could be on his way to Newcastle on loan. But let's see. Um, let's see how it goes. Let's move on uh, to uh, another topic that's been doing the rounds over the, the last few days. Um, been some reports from Italy that Aaron Ramsey... Uh, would like to come back to the club. Now, I've got to stress that based on what I know right now, this isn't close to happening. Um, it, it's nowhere near close to happening. But there is a, th- a kind of feeling that Aaron Ramsey would like to come uh, back to the Emirates Stadium and would even be willing to take a pay cut to make that happen. First of all, do we miss Aaron Ramsey and would you like to have him back? Do you know what? <laughs> We do miss Ramsey in some sense. Like, the guy can whip a ball like no player in that Arsenal team can. But it, why why go back on someone that you've you've had and clearly hasn't done, well, proven himself in another league? Like, I love Rambo, but I just, I think that is Arsenal getting carried away and just, it'll be a step back again. Not to say that Ramsey is a step back, but... Like this is clearly a project, and you know they want to move on long term in the future. I don't feel Ramsey is a part of that. It would just be a quick fix for, say, if we couldn't get someone in like Marco again. But I would love to. Like, of course, I'd love love to see him back at the Emirates, but I just don't think it will happen. And like yeah. I was, I was seeing this morning, all the the newspapers are saying like, oh, you know, he'd love to come back, love to take 
cutting his paycheck but um i saw that his agent had tweeted that it's all false and like people are making up making up things in this thread and it's just why is arsenal always at drama of, of transfer news i don't know but yeah it's it's difficult because you would love to see rambo back but no. You'd love to see him from a, a sentimental point of view, but maybe not yeah. from a, a progression point of view. That's how I see it. You know, exactly. I, I like Aaron Ramsey. I, I thought he was a good player for Arsenal Football Club. I, the way he left was not ideal. Um, went to Juventus. I'm a massive sort of fan of Italian football, so I understand why that move appealed to him. Um, I think he's been up and down since joining Juventus. I think he's had times where he's looked quite good and he's looked as though he fits into what's happening. And then he's had spells where he's been less effective, less kind of important and and, and less focal to what Juventus are doing. I think he's proven at the Euros that he can still influence games at the highest level, which is great. And I think when Arsenal fans kind of sit there and talk about the, the idea of Aaron Ramsey potentially returning, it's more about, the fact that we miss a player of that profile, a player who does burst into the penalty area late, who makes runs into the box, uh, kind of undetected and from slightly deeper positions. I think actually probably the closest player we've got to that on our books in terms of profile would, would arguably be Joe Willock um, in terms of his his playing style. But, you know, is Joe Willock at the level that Arsenal need right now? I, I don't know. I just, for me... You know, and this is a great comment, I think, in the chat from Yo-Yo says sentiment has held the club back for far too long. He shouldn't have left in the first place, but he definitely shouldn't return now. I think I'd probably agree with that. I think sentiment has to be palmed aside. It's, it's a bit like why Steve Bold has just left the club. You know, great servant, great player in his day, did a, gr- a great job on the coaching staff for many, many years. But if Arsenal don't feel he's going to take him forward, then you kind of have to just put that to one side mm-hmm. and move on and do what you think is right. And and sentiment, it can get in the way, can't it, in football? Yeah, because I, to be honest, I feel the exact same how a lot of Arsenal fans will feel about Ramsey. I feel that with Cazorla. For me, I would love for him to come back in that sentimental way because, you know, they never got the send-off that they deserved. But moving forwards I don't think is the right thing to do even though you know we'd love to see it but it's just I think it's a waste of money in the long term you know it's that's it because even on a pay cut he's still not going to come cheap Aaron Ramsey exactly I saw something that he would be still one of the highest paid players and you're thinking but this is the whole issue we we had at one stage with Ozil as well it's like at what point is enough enough yeah Completely agree. Brad says, I want, I wanted Fabregas back, to be honest. I did too, but Cesc Fabregas is on a different planet to Aaron Ramsey. In was peak Cesc Fabregas was, was an unreal player, much better than Aaron Ramsey, in my opinion. And that's probably what <laughs> kind of tipped, tipped the balance there, didn't it? Um, also got to say a massive happy birthday to uh, Arsenal legend Patrick Vieira. Um, what a hero. Uh, for me if not the greatest, definitely in Arsenal's top two greatest players of all time. I, I, what a player he was. And the more I watch clips of him now that he's kind of retired and we're kind of looking back on it, the more I feel like we didn't realise at that point what a, what a real star we had on our hands. Just incredible. So big shout out to uh, to Big Paddy, Patrick Vieira. And, uh, and of course, Casey, it'll be wrong for us not to discuss Bukayo Saka, who, you know, 
turned it on for England last night and I thought made a huge, huge difference. I was at Wembley and when I got to the ground and learned that Bukayo Saka was in the starting eleven, I suddenly had a lot more enthusiasm for the game, looking forward to watching the Arsenal man. What did you make of his display? And, you know, he just seems to take everything in his stride, doesn't he? Whatever the stage. That's that's him though, isn't it? Like, nothing phases him ever. He just, he's that one player that you can rely on. And whether it's, you know, like last night, he was all over the pitch. I, like, obviously, being an England fan, I, I struggle. Honestly, I struggle to watch them because I find it too static and just too boring. But with Saka in that team, you know, there's a bit of life about them. Him and Jack Grealish, oh, what a dream, honestly. Like, if if we could have Grealish, I would go mad. But Saka was just everywhere. Like, even at right back at one point, it was just, the guy is just so humble and it couldn't, I'm so happy for him. I literally felt like a proud mum last night. <laughs> yeah, no, he was brilliant. And he brought an energy, he brought a drive, a directness to the England side that, you know, they'd been lacking in previous games. You mentioned Jack Grealish as well, who I thought made the world a difference. And, you know, I've always been a big fan of Jack Grealish. I think he's the type of player that, you know, I'd love to see at Arsenal, but equally England desperately need uh, someone who can kind of draw the attention of players away. And I've been kind of, I was sitting there last night in the stadium because obviously it's, it's a bit different when the stadium's like not even half full. You're kind of mm-hmm. sitting there. The atmosphere is, it, it was good, but it wasn't, what it would be and you're kind of sitting in your seat and you've got like space around you and it's, it's a very different experience I think you you sit and you kind of process a little bit more about what's going on on the pitch and I was trying to work out kind of what Jack Grealish's biggest strength is what is it that Jack Grealish brings that no other England player brings and and the conclusion I came to was that Jack Grealish can pick up the ball in any given position on the pitch and he'll carry it straight away he's not He's not just going to take the first touch and lay it off to someone. More often than not, Jack Grealish wants to carry the ball. And when he carries the ball, he's got this incredible knack of being able to suck in players who don't want to let him just run into free space. And when they close him down, just when they're about to nick the ball, Jack Grealish releases it. His timing of his releases is perfect. And that just helps England so much in terms of creating space. And it was key uh, again last night. I know England dropped off a bit in the second half. Czech Republic, in my opinion, weren't all that interested in winning the game either. It was kind of the second half of two sides who went, well, you know, whatever, we're through. (laughs) And that's that. But yeah, I mean, just going back to Saka, incredible talent, um, really brave. I still think that Saka, if I'm being super critical, could be a little bit more devastating in and around the penalty box. I still feel like he needs to add that final pass finish to his game. Um, but you know, massive player. And, and would you start him in the next game? Would you keep him in the side? I keep him in the side for him to not even be on the sub bench was was a joke. The thing, it's hard because before the game, obviously us Arsenal fans were, you know, we're buzzing that Saka's starting, and a lot of people were saying, "I give it Sancho, Sancho, Sancho." Well, now look, like that's what Saka can offer you. I'm not saying he has to start next game, but you've got no reason to drop him. He he's just like infectious. Even the guy, like I was listening to some of the post-match interviews last night, and the players were just singing his praises, like saying how much of a confidence boost they give he gives the rest of the team. And I think that's the difference between him, Sancho, Foden. That like they're all insane players. Don't get me wrong. And Saka can improve elements, like you say, his finishing, 
he 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 winds me up so much because you know going on to corners you see him go to take a corner and you think is it going to be the first man it's that kind of thing that lets him down but you have no reason to drop him so i don't know southgate's got tough decision now but yeah for sure i feel like he kind of stumbled onto that though on the one hand i feel like he stumbled into into picking saka and that you know he didn't know that it was going to work out the way it did and and he probably didn't envisage having this massive sort of decision to make now going into the round of 16 but at the same time he still could have played sancho ahead of him he still could have played rashford mm. from one of the flanks he still could have played foden he, he could have done a, a number of things so obviously saka's shown something in training i think saka's versatility is probably um and an ability to defend because gareth southgate's been really pragmatic hasn't he a lot more than i think people expected yeah that's the thing like saka's defensive ability as well that's that is the advantage of playing him like last night he was dropping back into right back positions and it's like you know not not other players are going to do that especially you know when you've got players like sterling out on the wing as well it's you know he doesn't offer that so so i think southgate got really lucky in the sense of obviously he went in there with the mindset of oh you know we're already qualified but let's play he kept saying let's play freely like with freedom and this and that, but then you're still looking to defend a one 0 win. So that's obviously why Saka didn't come off. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Uh, guys, get your questions in the live chat. We'll pick up a few questions before we wrap up uh, this live edition of the podcast. Don't forget, if you haven't already hit the like button, if you're watching us on YouTube, if you're listening via the audio platforms, then please do leave us a review. Subscribe to the channel if you're new as well. It really, really does help. Big hello to uh, those of you who are with us at the moment, as I say, get your questions in, pop a little cue at the beginning of them. Uh, it just makes it easier for me uh, to pick them out of the chat box. But just kind of while we're on the subject of Saka, uh, Bonster says Southgate alluded to see more from Saka in training. Might be why he has that edge. Yep, you know, we've heard before that Bukayo Saka is a really, really good trainer. So perhaps that is what kind of tipped the balance in his favour. Uh, Steve Stone says Saka is not the finished article for sure. He's a brilliant player at the moment, but he has the ability to step up another level. Completely agree with that. Um, what else? What else have we got? GB takes issue uh, with my uh, comment about England being pragmatic. He says, pragmatic, ultra defensive, you mean, but it is eight clean sheets in nine, yet only two goals scored in three Euro games. We aren't scaring everyone. Listen, I agree that England need to buck up their ideas if they're going to go on and do something at this tournament. I really do. I've been majorly critical of England um, from sort of seeing the game last night. And I don't know if you agree, Casey. I still think that England's lack of creativity, England's inability to find the right balance between defence and attack right now is because of a lack of dynamism in midfield. I still don't think yeah. that Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice are the answer. Um, I think it was better when Henderson came on. But, you know, I still think that's the that's the heart of England's issues. Do you agree? Yeah, completely. I have I have a real issue with not so much Phillips. I think he has the ability to get forwards, to drive, to like, just to make that transition from the defensive side of the pitch forwards. My issue is with Declan Rice. I think, don't get me wrong, for West Ham, he's been, he's been great. But for England, he's out of his depth. Like, he was... Last night, as an example, he was just running around, like pointing at everyone and this way and that way. And it was just like, 
that was the missing link it and when Henderson came on it just sort of flowed a bit better and you know obviously they tired in the second half but I think Henderson offered more than what Rice did and I think that's that's something Southgate needs to change and he should have he should have tried that in this game to experiment you know you've got nothing to lose you've already qualified and that's that's where the issue is I think Southgate plays it too safe every time and like imagine imagine you know England playing France or Germany you can't I'm not saying you you know you're going to go ahead and try and score and score and score then but you can't be that defensive all the time it's just boring yeah for sure for sure uh, Matt G uh, says, do you think that going back to Saliba, says, do you think the treatment of Saliba may put off other young players from wanting to join the club? I think it depends on on the reasons that William Saliba has been thrown out and, or essentially cast aside. And ultimately, I do think when you look at what Mikel Arteta has done since he's come into the club, he has managed to persuade a lot of people to get on board with him. So I don't really see that as an issue going forward. Casey, what's, what's your kind of take on that? It's a really good mm-hmm. question. Yeah, that is good. I feel like it's a respect thing. I think a lot of young players will come into the club respecting Arteta. You know, they'd be buzzing to be at Arsenal and be in the league. I think it just depends, like you said, Harry, on what the actual reason is. Like, we've seen that Arteta doesn't take nonsense. A young player should should love that at the end of the day. It's just, you know, depending on what Saliba's saying. For sure, for sure. Uh, Patrick Carlson asks, when is the Xhaka deal going to be done? Well, from what we understand at the moment, Granit Xhaka is happy to join Roma. Roma want Granit Xhaka. Personal terms have been agreed between uh, the Italian Giants and the Swiss midfielder. However, there is yet to be an agreement reached on the fee, uh, although it's thought that the two clubs are getting closer and closer uh, to agreeing on a figure. So I wouldn't be surprised if that one happens once Switzerland's involvement in Euro 2020 um, is completely done, this is the thing, right? Everybody's kind of panicking about the lack of movement on the transfers, but the Euros are going on at the moment. And a lot of the players are involved in this competition and therefore it makes it difficult logistically to get these deals done and to get them done quickly. So I wouldn't panic uh, just yet on that one. Um <laughs> Bonster says, uh, what's your take on Steve Bold getting sacked? Um, on the one hand, I'm a bit sad about it because he's Steve Bold and he's an Arsenal legend. And, you know, I've had the pleasure of interviewing Steve Bold and he's a fantastic guy. And, and you could tell he's got the club at the centre of his kind of heart and, and really believes he's doing the right thing. I, I, you know, the under 23s had an abysmal season last year. Like, let's, there, There's no getting away from that. And I also don't think that Steve Bold was particularly effective when he was part of Arsene Wenger's team. I think that the fact that he was kind of swapped with Freddie Lundberg um, was a kind of sign of what was to come. And I think now that Arsenal have pulled the trigger. I'm I'm sad about it, but as we talked earlier, Casey, you, you can't let sentiment get in the way, can you? You've got to make the right decision. Yeah, that's it. Like, the under-21s did. It was, it was bad. And like even, you know, when Steve was part of under Wenger's team, it just I couldn't see what he was offering for someone who was a player like he was. I just couldn't see how it was working. Um, obviously it's sad because, you know, he was such a good servant to the club, but you know, it's time time has to end for some people and 
clearly is not is not what they want going forward. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, what else have we got here? Some of you, is Southgate literally the English Arteta? Um, James Jenkins says, everyone, don't forget to hit the like. Another great show. Yes, please do hit the like button if you haven't done so already. In fact, let's check in where we are in terms of likes right now and we'll set ourselves a little target uh, by the time we wrap up the stream so right now across the multiple platforms there's 175 of you watching us live however we've only got 45 likes on the youtube video so get let's get that up to 100 uh, by the time we wrap up the show we've got a few more minutes so i'm sure we can achieve that so hit the like button doesn't cost a thing and of course subscribe to the channel if you are new um what else have we got? Let's pick out a couple more questions. Uh, where was one? Here it is from Inter. He says, uh, is the Euros the excuse for Arteta failing next season? No. I mean, honestly, sometimes I, I think that people kind of make up stuff about Arteta and then want it to kind of, and then we'll kind of pin it on the people that support him. Nobody has said that Mikel Arteta has an excuse for failing next season. Nobody has suggested that the Euros give him that kind of leeway. All we're saying is that transfer business is notoriously slower during years where there is a summer competition going on. And and I'm not panicking. Are you panicking, Casey? We've got ages. Not at all. Like, we, you know, like, imagine a normal deadline day without an international tournament. It goes right until the last, like, literally the last minute. This is still early on in terms of, you know, we've got so long to get things done and who knows what's been going on behind the scenes. Like, you know, that we're waiting for the Tierney announcement. It's like things are getting done. It's just you're not, you might not be hearing about it as quick because of the Euros. It's, it's a good excuse to get things done behind the scenes more than anything. So if you look at it that way, you know, turn it into a positive and it's all right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Tharbo says that, do you think that we should worry about the Hayland graduates not making it into the team under Arteta? No, because two of his most important players in, in Emil Smith-Rowe and Bukayo Saka right now are Hayland graduates. So I don't think there's anything with Mikel Arteta where he's going, you know, where he's almost sceptical about allowing these players the opportunity to show what they can do. I think he's he's quite open to that. Did you know, we talked about Gareth Southgate maybe stumbling on something by accident. Did Mikel Arteta stumble upon it by accident a little bit when he moved that day against Chelsea on Boxing Day when he moved Saka to the right wing and the Smith Rowe into the number 10 role? Maybe. But now they're there. Um, they're certainly going to get the opportunities and um, and deservedly so. Uh, Pep Teta says, <laughs> this is, that picture makes me die every time I see it. Um <laughs> Is 250 million really available this summer? I kind of had my say on this yesterday. Um, a lot of people kind of came to me and asked me about the validity of that report because it did come from 90 men, although it wasn't me. Um, I was not the one that received that information. I've got to say, a, a bit like Shaggy, it wasn't me. Um, clear that one up, Harry. Yeah, let, let's clear that up because I that report is not from me. It's not from a source of mine. And I don't want people to come and knock it on my door when it doesn't happen. <laughs> um, but that is a report that was was put out. Do you think, Casey, that it's possible for Arsenal to go that big this summer, given everything that's been going on over the last 18 months? I, I don't see why not. I think potentially there's there, there's no reason why they can't even spend more. The Cronkies have money. We know they have money. 
it depends on our outgoings. I think there is that budget to spend if we need it and if we offload enough players. But, I mean, at this point, who knows? Fingers crossed. I think there's been a lot of talk about Arsenal borrowing money, um, which is maybe where a lot of this is coming from. And and maybe they have borrowed an additional sum in order to try and, and get their transfer business done. I think it's clear to everybody, two eighth-place finishes in consecutive seasons is not good enough and, and there needs to be a major overhaul. Uh, let's just pick out a couple more bits. Um, Marshall says, hi, Harry. Hope there'll be a France versus Portugal watch along today. There isn't, unfortunately, my friend. Um, I've made a conscious effort to just chill and enjoy the Euros. Uh, we have been bringing you a daily podcast throughout it, but watch alongs, as of yet, we haven't done any. I think because a few of you have asked, we might do one in the round of 16, but I just need to check uh, with the kind of work schedule and, and make sure that we can get one in and and do it justice. I have actually missed uh, doing that, to be honest. The, the interaction is great. And the last question I'll pick up is from Colt of the Red Barrel, who says, what made you plump for Chronicles of Aguna? It's rather an archaic noun, not commonly associated with football. Um, well. The reason I went with Chronicles was because actually this whole thing started from a book. I wrote a book at the end of the two or throughout the 2017-18 season. Arsene Wenger's last one in charge of the club. I didn't know um, that it was going to be his last season in charge when I started writing the book. But it was almost like a diary-like account of Arsenal's season with interviews with the likes of Ray Parler, Kevin Campbell and a few others in there as well. Um and so it was like a chronicle. It was like a diary. And that's where the name come from. And then the podcast was born. And uh, yeah, that, we, we are where we are. But that's why I picked it. Um, yeah, I don't think it's archaic, but there we go. There <laughs> we go. Question. I know. So deep, you get some deep questions deep. on here. I got to say. Yeah, really yeah. deep, really deep. Almost as deep as what we were talking about the other day. Coffee and whether it's, <laughs> you should blend it by hand or by no. machine. There I'm going to try it. I'll, I'll try that one today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Try it. Trust me. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> um, we're going to leave it there. Uh, Casey, thank you so, so much for joining me. Honestly, I really appreciate it. I know you're busy as well. So uh, it's Thanks great to have you me. on. No problem. Do you want to let all our listeners know where they can find you, how they can follow you and keep up to date with your excellent work and views on the mighty Arsenal? Thank you. Um, best place to find me Twitter, so at KC underscore born. Probably annoy you, but what can you do? Um, yeah, that's that's most of Arsenal Twitter. I won't worry about that. <laughs> Every everyone who follows me, they're like, Oh, you're an Arsenal fan. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, great stuff, Casey. Thank you again. Uh, really appreciate you joining me, and I look forward to having you on again soon. Uh, guys, thank you in the chat. Don't forget, hit that like button on the way out. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. And if you're listening via the audio, don't forget to leave us a review, a five star one, by the way. Nothing less will do. I'll catch you all soon. Ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.